All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 274 of the DFO Rundown. As always, brought to you by Botano.ca. The game starts now at Botano.ca, where, of course, a little bit of a lighter week in the NHL, but there's still games ongoing up until... Uh, I got games uh, today and tomorrow. And then, of course, you have the uh, all-star break where the best 12 players or 12 of the best players, I should say, will uh, go at it in a new revamped skills competition. You can have a lot of fun with that. And, of course, the uh, Pro Bowl. I don't think you're going to go on that. But uh, some interesting uh, NBA games for you to play at Botano.ca. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. There are some teams still playing that will have their bye weeks after. The uh, all-star break, uh, majority of them are, are on it right now, Frank. And so uh, there, there is lots to talk about, but let, let's start with the, the big news, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, you know, they got Patrick Laine, uh, the entering the uh, uh, players program. You have Fantilli getting injured last night. You got Juracek uh, spouting off that he deserves way more ice time, man. They got a lot going on for a team at the bottom of the standings. Yeah, they really do. Like it's, I don't know, kind of reaching one of those points where, I wake up and I'm like, is today the day? Like, what? which one's the day that we see the Columbus Blue Jackets step up and make a, a GM change, a full sale, wholesale changes? Because it kind of feels like it's devolving into the theater of the bizarre there. And obviously not an environment that anyone is particularly happy with. And, you know, we'll start with David Juracek. It kind of feels like a, a simmering situation there. If you read the reporting from Aaron Portsline, I mean, 
there was, as some people, you know, as Portsline pointed out, there were some people wondering whether Juracek would even report to Cleveland, AHL Cleveland on Saturday after he was sent down. Uh, so he didn't play Friday night, uh, left Calgary, flew across the continent to Cleveland, uh, gets there and then does play Saturday night and then has some kind of really pointed words. And, and frankly, um, the Blue Jackets responded to him. And, you know, Juracek, who, if, you, if you're not familiar with his game, he's the number six overall pick from a couple years back. And he's someone that I think right now, today, you could make the argument he is the Blue Jackets' second best defenseman behind only Zach Wierenski. And he, like, he's that good, but for whatever reason, they don't want to clear a log jam in front of him, and they continue to play guys like Andrew Peak and uh, Boakvist and Jake Bean, whoever it might be. The fact that you'd let any of those guys sort of get in the way of your number six overall pick, and depending on how you rank things, whether it's you know Fantilli or Denton Matejchuk or Yurichek, he's somewhere in your top three of your prospects, and certainly should be a big part of your team moving forward. And so he's been sent up and down. He's been healthy, scratched, and again. Let's remind everyone where the Blue Jackets are in the standings. Their season's over. They're not playing for the playoffs. Like, why would you go through this and you know even risk angering your your top you know one of your top prospects? And so, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I read the quotes, and I, I just. I don't really understand it. The Blue Jackets said over the weekend that what Juracek is feeling is the, quote, Amazon effect, where you order something and you want it right away. And, man, I don't really understand that. The quote was, I get it. My daughter wants her own car. She's 13 years old. It's the Amazon effect. Everybody wants it now. Comparing David Juracek to a 13-year-old girl is a little odd to me. Yeah, um, well, I, I think a big one, you know, you talk about the manager. Managers really don't make the, the dis- now they obviously decide if a guy goes up or down, but, you know, Pascal Vincent's the one who's deciding on ice time. So, um, you know, he, he's the one that should be, you know, commenting on, you know, why he isn't playing on, in my opinion, right? Like in, in a healthy organization, well, now you you hope that your coach and GM are on the same page, and I know lots of GMs I talk to say, "Hey, I don't make decisions on young players, but if a young player isn't playing, then I'm going to send him to the minors." So you know you have that opportunity with your check. Like I saw your check's comments. You talk, well, you know what? I should be on the power play. I'm like, dude, Nemich is on the power play because Dougie Hamilton's hurt. Let's call a spade a spade. If Dougie Hamilton isn't hurt, he ain't on the power play, right? Um, and so, like, to me, I, I never love it when a young guy starts comparing, well, look at this guy over there. He's getting a better opportunity than me. Um, you know, you I think it's just eye test for me. Like, I yeah, look but, at his game now, and I'm like, he's that he's better than most of what they have. But he's not better than Wierenski on the power play, right? I think we'd agree on that. Okay, but when Wierenski was out, Boakvist played on the power play. Yeah. So and Bo- why? Yeah. Well, Boakvist has been pretty good. You know, He's, he's a novelty defenseman. He's yeah. an undersized somewhat creative power play guy. Yeah, that's what he is. You're right. Like, I don't know. There, there's not a lot of guys who are running first unit power plays with 
with 40 NHL games experience is all I'm saying. Like it's um, if, if, if they say, if he would have just said, I just want to be in the lineup every day that I can live with. Uh, when you start wanting to get into, well, I deserve to be on special teams because two other guys in the league are on it. Like, I don't know. Um, Let's just start with being in the lineup, just on yes, pure eye test alone. Yes. Play him. Well, yeah, uh, on pure eye test and stats and, and everything else. He deserves to be in that lineup in their top six on a nightly basis. We yeah, can talk about usage up. after the fact, but he should be playing, especially yeah. when your season's lost. What like what are you prioritizing? Some of these guys are heading for buyouts. Peak <laughs> is like minus forty five over the last two seasons. Yeah, like unless they think they're trying to use some of these guys as trade bait, Frank. That's the only trade that's the only bait. These guys one. wouldn't even be waiver claims. Yeah, I don't argue with you, but. I'm just saying that's where the organ, like to me, it's more the head coach who would need to answer about the ice time. That's all I'm saying. Like, yeah, and, well, but it it does. What is your like, overall? This, this is what I, this is the point I made when I did Eastern conference team objectives. My point for the Columbus blue jackets was develop a cohesive plan. If you can tell me what your plan has been for your check all season long in a nutshell, I would believe you, but I don't yeah. think they can. Yeah. And that's fair. And that's, that's a bad organization doesn't have a plan for their players or, and you don't communicate it well enough. Like I'll say this, the fact that he was healthy, scratch that mind, that's idiotic. Either send him down. There is zero reason to have him in the press box for more than two games. It, I'm sorry. It's inexcusable because guess what? You can just send him to the minors. And, and while young guys might not like it, playing 25 minutes in the AHL is infinitely better for their development than sitting in the press box every few games or playing 10 minutes a night in the NHL. He's got is. nothing to prove there. He goes there and has a three assist game, three point game as a defenseman. Like it's not like he's not an AHL defenseman. No, no I'm not saying that he is, but my point, well, I, I will say this, there's nothing wrong with gaining confidence as a player, right? I, I, I'm not a big believer in nothing to prove stuff. You always have stuff to prove as yeah. a young defenseman. You can mm. learn your game and you know what? All I'm saying is if they play him in the minors and they play him a ton, I'd rather do that than sit in the press box. That's in the press box does nothing, nothing, at least in the minors, his confidence is rising. You know what? He's on the power play. He's doing everything he wants. That's great. So then when he is called up, he's ready to play, but sitting a young kid in the press box, I've always thought was moronic. Now, if it's a game or two here to learn a message, that's fine. Or he's tired because he's a young guy. I'm not saying he is, but you know, we've seen teams do that with some young players where you give them a little bit of a rest here and there. That's okay. But when you when I looked at how many times he was healthy scratched, that to me is the bigger issue here. And to me, that's all on the coach. Well, whether it's the coach or not, Yarmo Kekalainen's halfway down the plank. Well, that's hard, that's, that's hard to game. argue that. Yeah, the results are the results are there. They haven't they had a little run there where I think they made the playoffs four years in a row, but um, since then it's been downhill again, and they're back to kind of pre playoff Columbus Blue Jackets, a team He's, that. Didn't really do much. Third longest tenure GM in the league. One playoff round win to show for 10 years. Plus, like, let's go back to, as you said, last year was their worst year in franchise history for an expansion team that had a few rough ones. That was last year. And then this year is no better. In fact, I would argue worse because you've now in a year where you again went out and spent assets and free agent money, you, you pay a, a big contract to Severson, you trade for Provorov. Like y- you should be 
you draft Fantilli, you should be going up. They're they're going sideways or down, and that's no place to be. But I, I also want to touch on Patrick Line and uh, his decision to step away into the player assistance program. And it's not really related to Line. In fact, um, just I, I think there takes a lot of courage to do that and to say, you know what, I, I need to prioritize where I'm at with my mental health. And I, I just I need to take some time off to get that in order. But I think one sort of concerning, I don't know if you want to call it a trend, but we've seen a couple things now in the last, in fact, this month of January that have popped up that I've seen some teams use mental health as a crutch. And I think that's really dangerous. Like we look to the Calgary Flames with Dylan Dubé and his leave for mental health. Now I'm not saying that or reporting that Dylan Dubé is part of this hockey Canada uh, investigation and that he's one of the uh, five players who's been ordered to surrender to police in London. As we saw, Alex Formanton was the first to surrender over the weekend, but he is one of five players that's currently on leave. And he was on the 2018 world junior team. So draw whatever connections you want to that. I'm sorry. Like you can't put out a release saying that you're taking time away from the team for mental health and to please respect me. That's as much on the player as it is the team. Cause I don't know what he told the team. And yeah, I mean, if you were part of it and that is what ultimately ends up happening, I mean, I guess your mental health has been struggling for a bit considering what's happened here. But I want to take it a step further. And there was an incident that popped up and didn't really get much attention or press. But when Ilya Samsonov went down to the Marlies a couple weeks back, there was kind of a weird thing that played out when he made his way back to the NHL. He sits there for 10 days, practices, doesn't play a game, comes back and practices. And then the Leafs didn't make him available to the media for the first day of practice, which is obviously a big story. You know, your, your so-called top goalie coming into the year has done a hard reset. Typically reporters would speak to that player. But in this case, the Leafs didn't make him available, and it was what Sheldon Keefe said afterwards, after their practice, that really kind of like stood out to me. And I'll just, I'll just read you the quote, because I think it's important for context. He said, what he's going through now, part of it's physical and more of it's mental. He said, you guys, meaning the media, are all fine people, but when you're going through something, it doesn't help. It hurts. We're here to help and support the players. Time will come when you'll get a chance to speak with him, I'm sure. But we're trying to do everything we can to get the player back to being himself and bringing him back here to throw him out here and have to answer all sorts of questions is not conducive to the goal. And I hear that and I'm like, so wait a second. Media are the reason why like are causing bad mental health for someone? That that doesn't seem right. And I just feel like there's been this crutch now. We've reached this point where it's okay to talk about it. But like, first off, let's not confuse bad behavior with mental health, if that was the case. And let's definitely not confuse poor performance with mental health. So I applaud Patrick Laine for having the courage to, to step up and do it and, and come out and be so public with it. 
in his Instagram post, you know, did some explaining. But I think it kind of gives when other people use it in an inauthentic way, it Dude. kind of really takes away from having the real conversation. You're, you're in, it's an insult to people who get up every day and grind people who are dealing with depression and dealing with lots of other mental health issues. And there's lots of them. Trust me in society, there's tons of people doing it every day. And you know what? Sometimes, I, I hey, just for candor, I'm one of those people sometimes, right? I went and, through a funk during the holidays and I just wasn't myself. And you know, I, I didn't talk about it with anyone, didn't make it public, but sometimes I'm one of those people just, just want to like be straight up with everyone. I think, you know, my mom dealt with depression for many years. Um, and thankfully she doesn't anymore. She, you know what, she, she did a lot of work. And to me, the, the part that I get annoyed by is when, when people, you know what, you might have a rough patch for a week or two. I'm talking about people that have serious mental health issues. And I find now teams and individuals and people try to use it as a, well, everybody's going to feel sorry for me. So you know what? Now no one's going to ask me about it. And, they, and, and it's an easy way to avoid what the real problem here is. And, and I, I agree. I think it's insulting to those. And really the teams have to be very careful about not just wanting to use it. Oh, let's use mental health because no one's going to question us about it. And it's become a crutch. And I agree with you. And I, I think it's, it's very hurtful and demeaning to those who do have serious, legit mental health problems and they battle through it and they push through it because there's lots of people that do it all the time. And then to have somebody who's, you know, a public eye figure almost just hap hap well yeah i got mental health issues they've never talked about it now you look at a guy like oliver shillington look how long away he was from the game that to me is 20 a, months that is a legit case and you and you know what i love the fact that he's back but it, it's when you have mental health that that bad like he did it's not just a oh i go away for a week and now everything's good that that's not how it is for serious cases you might be down in the dumps and losing your confidence that's not depression, right? That's yeah, the ups and that's, and downs that's of the, life. That's kind of the distinction I wanted to make is I'm not, we're not saying that Samsonov hasn't had a hard time or didn't go through a tough stretch mentally. But it wasn't but, because of the, it wasn't because the media asked him a question about his game. Stop that. That's such a well, BS. Give me a break. That plus like, he's also really one of the most affable guys in that yes. locker room. And he loves answering questions. It seems like he loves doing media. You saw how emotional he was when he came back and has played well. So clearly that part of him has been aided, but when you go through and you not only have this season and you not only have the worst save percentage in the league and the worst save percentage among any goalie in Toronto Maple Leafs history for that long of a stretch, like that's just poor performance. That's not, that's not mental health. And that's the part that really kind of drives me nuts is you can't just equate one with the other. Like, are, do they sometimes go hand in hand for sure, but that's not a reason to not have the discussion. And so I, I just, I wanted to bring it up because it kind of feels like we're reaching this point in society where it's like, you know what? Mental performance is such a huge part of, of your game. And there's no question about that. But when you hit a rough patch on the ice, it's not, it doesn't always mean it's that. And it's certainly not the media. 
No. And I, I think it it is a slippery slope because you, you don't want that bleeding in to, to any of it. People always, you know, oh, geez, look, you know what? I had a bad few games. Well, now I have mental health problems. No, don't demean it. Don't diminish it. The part of athleticism, part of life is some days you're up, some days you're down. Right. But you talk to people who have suffered through severe depression and for months on end, man, it is it is not pretty. There's lots of other mental health issues that can last a long time. And when I, 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 I agree with you, Frank, I'm, I'm, I'm leery of it being used too often because it demeans those people. And there's so many in society, men, people probably listening, watching this pod right now that have gone through the battle themselves. And I don't like, to me, I found it's insulting to them when you try to lump everything under one umbrella, first of all, right. It's, it's too wide of a scope, right? It's like sexual abuse. There used to be rape, but now everything's sexual abuse. Well, they're not all the same. And not remotely the close. And I think with mental health, you might be lacking confidence sometime. You might have a tough day. That's okay. But that's not a mental health severe issue that limits you all the time. I think there, I think we do need to be um, a little bit better at not just haphazardly throwing it out there because it's it's going to garner people saying, oh, well, sorry for you. Yeah, it's, I just think it's an important discussion to have. I, I'm yes, not making totally. a you know, grand, you know, stand or saying anything of just, it's important to point all of this out, I think, because you're, you, you're, we hear some of it. We hear a lot more now than we did a few years ago, and we're going to continue to hear more. And it's just like, you have to sift through what it all means. Cause then the next thing is, well, can we not be critical of Samsonov because he was having a mental health spell? Like, I mean, what, where do you draw the line? And it's like everyone understands the emotions of playing and things like that, but it's been the same for a hundred years. Like literally social media, there's more money and more spotlight, all those things. But the guys in the eighties and nineties didn't, there wasn't any different then. And, you know, did players go through hard times? Of course, Patrick line deserves to be applauded, but let's not confuse these things. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So you're saying Line A and Dubé might be on a different category is what you're saying. Yes. And, and uh, the you know, again, let's see what happens in London with the police investigation. But if he's part of it, to take a leave for mental health is a really bad look. Yeah, next Monday is when the uh, London police are going to have their uh, their press conference to really kind of outline everything. So I'm guessing the, uh, the other players involved will be uh, turning themselves in between today and uh, and next Monday. Now uh, let's get to some uh, some things on the ice, Frank. Um, Brandon Gallagher, you know, hard nosed player. We haven't seen a chicken wing hit in a long time. Where you know you flare out the elbow as as blatant as he did uh, on a guy, and not that it makes it any less egregious, but or more egregious. But you know, he did it to Pellick, who you know has had concussion issues before. Like that's a terrible hit, and he got five games. But I'll be honest, I couldn't believe that it was like. Oh, it's a it's a phone hearing, so it's a maximum five games. It was like they determined right the hits five games, so we're not going to open up Pandora's box. I just there was an opportunity to really send a message. The league finally got those hits out of the game. We haven't seen one of those hits in a long time, and that one was a blatant one in the middle of the ice where there was zero reason to do it. I would have liked a, a heart five is is a lot, but to me that should be a ten game suspension. If you want plays out of your league. You need to crack down severely when they come in because that sends the message. Do you know what the Gallagher suspension reeked of? 
A department what? of player safety that doesn't want to open themselves up to appeal. Which is kind of nonsensical because this one would have yeah. stood up. And the appeal and, process, Frank, we all know it's a joke anyway. By the time your appeal uh, gets heard, the suspension's done anyway. But but it, if it was like, well, it could be six, it could be five, you know, maybe we could go to seven app. Maybe we'll just send the same message with five and save ourselves a whole bunch of trouble. That's wow. kind of what it felt like. It was like, ah, oh, let's just put our heads down here and and get through this one. Hey, Rafi Torres got 40 games. You could have easily given it 10. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Like I it's, it's, it's funny. Cause it's one of the rare department of player safety rulings that everyone was actually kind of in agreement on like yeah. social media. You know, I said, uh, is this six games? Cause I, I knew Gallagher doesn't have a long history and it's like, well, they don't typically come down on first time offenders and there didn't seem to be an injury on the play. Now what? So <laughs> I say six and I'm getting torched on Twitter saying oh, this is 10 all day long. And it's rare to see that much sort of uniformity in the response. And then the league be half of that. Yeah, I just I was surprised by it. I don't you know what? Hey, got a suspension it was worthy of suspension is not appealing it wisely. And um, I just I. I think there, like, there's hopefully, and and you know what, we haven't seen one of these, so maybe it was just a one-off, and it's not going to open up Pandora's box, and suddenly we're going to see chicken wings all over the place again. In the NHL, I really hope not, because yeah, I don't think so. You don't, you don't need a really good things. job getting rid of it. And, yes, no, they have. I applaud. Them. I think so, your point is is well taken in that because they've done such a good job getting rid of it. The time that you see one, that's the time to crack down again. Yes. Send a message and say, okay, we've already eliminated these. Don't think they're making a comeback. Here's eight games or whatever yes. it might be. Whatever it is. 10% uh, of the season, is, it's a long time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that's not what happened. No. Um, a few other things, Frank. The races now is, uh, you know, we do have a few games, of course, this week. But the uh, the races for the uh, the wild cards in, in both conferences, man, are, are, are looking great. If you like races, it's, uh, you know, there's, not a lot of race really necessarily like the hurricanes look like they're going to catch the Rangers because the Rangers are in free. Fall We've been saying here. that for weeks. I was just going to say the Philip injury. So unfortunate working his way back, spends time in, in the check and you're thinking, okay, you know, this is someone that after a, a long battle with a concussion here is finally going to get back in the mix. And then an optional skate with three players on the ice ends up colliding with a teammate. And now he's out for the season. Like that was awful. It kind of changes the complexion of the Rangers deadline because they were really in the market for a third line center with, with Heedle out. Now some are wondering, do they need two centers? Do they need to add two guys to that forward group to help yeah. spur things along? Whatever is the case, there's something a little bit off with the Rangers and has been for six to eight weeks. Yeah. Which one and, are the and, real Rangers? The the group that started the year on a tear or the group that they've been for the last two months? Yeah, I, I think somewhere in between, to be honest. I didn't think they were as good as they were early on. I don't think they're as bad as they are now. Um, the big question to me is Shesterkin. Like, they're going to find his game or not? It's been a real um, less than uh, than I would say below average season. 
for, for Shesterkin so far this year. And there really hasn't been a time where he's gotten his game consistently to the level where he wants. And, and I think that that's going to impact them a lot. If, if Shesterkin finds his game at some point here, and you know the odds would tell me eventually he should based on his track record. He's been a really good goalie, for, you, know, our, you know, a great goalie for a few years in, in New York. But this has just not been his year. And that's opened up the door for the Hurricanes. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, Frank, maybe a reality setting in. They've lost five in a row. Uh, you know, Hart's obviously gone away from the team. They got some injuries and uh, they're opening up the door. The Islanders are four back of them. Pittsburgh's five with game four games in hand. Even New Jersey's five with three games in hand. The race in the East is really, I'm not even sure it's for the wildcard spot. It might be for third place in the Metro as uh, you might have the five teams in the Atlantic as, uh, as the Red Wings have a five point lead right now on the Islanders uh, for a wildcard spot. So, um, and, and the one team though, because of games in hand is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right, like the yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins are are right there. You look at points percentage; they're right below the Flyers. The Pens, with all their problems so far this year, they still might be in the driver's seat to get the number three slot going down the second half in the Metro. I like statistically, you're right, but I just look at this team and even sort of the way that they kind of limped into the break. Loss at Vegas, loss at Arizona, like thumped in Arizona, and that. Yeah weird own goal yeah shootout loss to the panthers and then you beat the habs in ot i i just i i don't know i don't everything that you think kind of points to this team getting its act together but we have no tangible proof of that being the case valid point I just, and I wanted to offer a quick comment on Shesterkin because his year is so bizarre. He's either, he's like he's binary, really. He's either on or he's off. He's got 10 games this year with a 955 save percentage or better. But he also has six games this year or seven games this year, 800 or worse, including five in the sevens where he's allowing four and five goals a game. I, honestly, I can't, it doesn't make any sense. He, if he gets to 900, I know this is not breaking news, but the stat, the stats are kind of amazing when he has a 900 save percentage or better. The New York Rangers are 18 and 0. 900, not a crazy bar to get to. They're 18 and 0. I don't know. Interesting well, that, spot for It Doesn't make any sense this year. No, it's 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 been wildly inconsistent for him. Those numbers match everything you've seen. One game is great, then the next game, it, you know, can't stop a puck. So, I will say the Rangers team defense, though five on five, they've given up a lot as well. So it's not just the goalie. I, I think they need to tighten things up there a little bit in New York. No question. I think they got the talent to do it, but you know, it looks like you know Carolina's you know on on a train to to pass him here rather easily it looks like in the in the metro and so you know they those two teams barring a big collapse are probably going to be one two uh when when the playoffs start but other than that like you got some great races look in the in the uh in the central division the avs stars and jets they're separated by two points the jets have uh, two games at hand on the uh, avs and the stars they have the highest points percentage i think that's going to be a fantastic race down the stretch uh, you know, Edmonton has closed the gap. They're five points back of Vegas. They have five games in hand, so they don't have to win all of them. And uh, they're they're 12 back of Vancouver with four games in hand. So, you know, that that gap's even smaller. Um, you know, the race for the wild card now, 
Now, L.A. has fallen out a little bit behind the orders. So it's L.A., St. Louis, Nashville, Seattle, I think. Uh, two of those four teams are going to get in. Yeah, I'm the telling Blues, you, Frank. The Blues I'm have won the five button. straight. The, hey, I said it last week. I got on the train before a lot of people said, get on the Blues train. Um, a few things I've noticed different is look at the usage of Colton Perenko under the new head coach. He's playing over a minute and a half more per game. And his game is really elevated. He's a big man. He He's so huge. He can log more time and he doesn't get fatigued. And uh, he's he's really elevated his play there. Like they got a lot of other small defensemen. I think playing Pareko more has helped the Blues. Obviously, you know, Thomas and Cairo, their games have gotten a lot better. But uh, I look at the Blues team and uh, if, if I'm picking any of those four, I have the Blues. For, like I think the Kings would still be my second choice after that. But St. Louis Blues are rolling now, and I'm, I'm kind of curious. You've said Doug Armstrong. They talked a lot about this was a year they might trade off some guys. I wonder if they still do that or if this is one where maybe they do one, but they – because we've seen teams trade one guy and still make the playoffs. I, I think they have to do something with a defenseman. I don't think yes. you can come back and bring the same top four back into next season again, especially if you don't make the playoffs. Is Pareko the guy that makes sense? Because of value. Like he's the one guy on that defense core that really does have value. Oh, yes. So would he would he be the or is he because he has value because he's playing well? Is he the one guy you keep? He's the guy I wouldn't trade because I you just look at successful defenses in the playoffs, Frank, and size and mobility has become now pretty much a, a guarantee. Now, obviously, there's guys like Quinn Hughes and McCarr and Fox who are elite of elite, so you know they get a pass, but for the other teams, you look at the size and mobility of their defense core now. And that's what Colton Preco brings. So when I look at the rest of St. Louis's defense, they got too many of the same smaller guys. Those would be the guys that would be trying to trade. Like, I know they tried to trade Krug, and he, and he gated the trade last year. So obviously that's one. Um, I, I think that maybe they look at Falk, somebody who would be interested. Like, I think they can help other teams. But I think that's a change that they would be looking to make. Hmm. They could trade Scandella, too. I don't think he has any value. You could get rid of him uh, if you wanted Zero. to. Zero. Yeah. I wouldn't trade Breco if I was the Blues. Again, you know what? Maybe team will give you more than you expect, but the minute you trade Pareko, I think then you're looking for a guy who can replace Pareko, and it's hard to find. What would you do if you're Rob Blake? It's a really good question, man. Like, I think on paper, the LA Kings are, are, are pl- like, I don't think they were as good as they were out of the gate. They were really dominant. And I definitely don't think they're as bad as they are right now. I, I think they're, I had them as a playoff team right now, though. I think it's fair to say they're the fourth best team in the Pacific. They're not better in Edmonton. They're not better in Vegas. They're not better in Vancouver. Even when they're playing well, I'm not sure they're better than any of those three teams. So if you're Rob Blake, you know, you look, he just made a big splash, Frank. And that that's the challenge for them is he went out and he got a guy that he thought was going to be a big difference maker for them. And so far now it's early. It's only what, 45 games but it has been a flop so far for Pierre-Luc Dubois. The consistency hasn't been there. He's on pace for basically, what, 19 goals, uh, you know, for $8 million bucks. It's not what they expected. But, like, his ice know, time, he, he's only getting 15 minutes a game. Yeah, well, that that's a part of it. Probably so, a pretty good indicator of what they think yeah. of where his game is. So, that that's a – so, Rob Blake, you have the conversations. When you look at their UFAs, like, their goalies, of course, are both UFAs, but – other than that, I think Waz or Matt Roy is the only guy on their back end. Now you got some guys with term. We've seen, you know, if, if you're willing they're not to trade, selling, they're definitely going to be. If if buying. anything, they're going to be buying or they're making a coaching change. Yeah, that's yeah, so why I asked. Coaching, what would you do? I, I don't change. 
is hard because you don't, now you never really know. And, and like the internal guys would know more, right? Like there's, you watch the game, obviously, hey, P- playing Pierre-Luc Dubois 15 minutes, it's probably not a key to success long-term, right? So, but you know, it's the chicken and the egg thing. Does he play better and the coach gives him more minutes or really play better if the coach gives him more minutes first, right? You find that out, but you have to have that conversation, I think, with the coach and the player and say, okay, like, what's our plan of attack here? They can't score. Since Christmas, yeah. they've scored over three goals in a game twice. Well, that doesn't surprise they're, me. I, they're two, I, eight, and six. Yeah. yeah they a don't lot have of guys, a single guy on their team that's a point-per-game player. Yeah. It's not just Pierre-Luc Dubois that's the issue in L.A. offensively. He's a main one, but it's not just one because he he can affect the other 45 minutes when he's not on the ice. But I don't I don't look at that team and say, oh, that's a personnel issue. That's why they're not scoring. Okay. So you I'm think not it's a blaming coach. the coach. I'm, I, in fact, I'm, I would argue against making a coaching change because I think undeniably Todd McClellan's a good coach. Last year, they were ninth in the league in goals for. How, yeah. how does that just evaporate? Well, you know, Kevin Fiala is not playing up to his potential. I think that's fair to say. Right? Like, really, you know, outside of Trevor Moore, you know, I, I've liked Quinton Byfield's game as a young player. He continues to emerge, but you know, I think you look past that. You know, they they don't have a lot of guys. Kevin Fiala is on track for like close to eighty points again. Yeah, more he's but beat it, last year, and he's going to beat last year in goals. Well, he's I don't look at Fiala and go, that guy's not living up to the his end of the bargain. Yeah, well, I just look at their get. He's getting outscored significantly on a team that's supposed to be good defensively. It's supposed to be a team that's structured defensively, yeah. and they're just not. No, they're a mess. Yeah. What's your yeah, level of concern on a one to ten? Well, I still look at the other teams, like you know Nashville and Seattle. Can they beat them out for a playoff spot? It's but- not about this. See, I, I would argue it's not about this year because you've had a team that's made the playoffs two years in a row. Yeah. Like it's not about just getting in. This was a team that in the beginning of the year looked like a threat. Yeah, wow. and they're not. Not right now. They're not. the The thing about the Kings is, if if they find their structure, they can be a very hard playoff team in the series, no question. Right? I don't like you wouldn't love it if you finish first and had to play the Kings. Right? It's not, uh, you know, because there's there's no team. I don't see a Colorado here where it's you know a waste of eight days. Uh, if you're playing L.A., they would be the underdog, but it wouldn't be like a massive underdog for me. Like if you know you play Vancouver, let's say first and versus fourth. Right, they could give the Canucks a tough a tough matchup if their guys find their game and their confidence. Are the Kings right now facing what the Oilers did in the first couple weeks of the year? No, because when you go back and you watch the order game, if you actually look at a lot of the other nine numbers, the orders their problem was. When they would make a mistake, it was just that they would gift goals, right? They'd control the play. They don't. They were losing games when they had forty shots, Frank. The Kings are doing that. Listen to Todd McClellan. Yeah, cannot explain some of. They can't score, right? Like they, you're right. The Oilers also weren't scoring either. Yeah, wow. Their power play, which is normally really good, was kind of average. But um, yeah, I I mean, how different it? Like, I'm not saying just stylistically, but just pure total lack of confidence. Well, I think confidence plays a part. They're going through really that different. Yeah, here's the one quote that resonated with me, and then we'll get to Tyler. Was 
they, they, an older player told me after, you know, man, I really liked our coaches. They are great. It just seemed like they didn't have an answer to change things. And when Knobloch and coffee came in, they had a direct plan. Okay. This, and their whole plan was rebuild confidence, rebuild confidence. And that's what they fococused on. Right. They obviously changed some things. Paul coffee says, Hey, defenseman, no more, just getting the puck out. We're making plays. Right. And then as they gradually went along, they, they really eliminate the middle of the ice. So they had a plan, but step one was rebuild confidence. And so sometimes, you know, it's, it's like parenting, Frank, you can tell you your kid something. And he's like, yeah, whatever, dad looks like you're crazy. All of a sudden, another parent comes over or if you're coaching your kids and the other coach comes over and says, Hey, I need you to do this. Oh, okay. And they do it. And you're just like, what the, right. It happens all the time as a parent. And so I wonder sometimes as a coach, you've said all the things, somebody else comes in with virtually the same message, but it resonates different. So what are you saying? You'd, you'd make a coaching change if you were, I asked the question, what would you do if you're Rob Blake? Well, I think Rob doing nothing is not really an option. I don't think. See, here's, I think the break comes at a good time. You can get, you get away. And I think, so I think Rob Blake probably, I would say this, Frank, I think he's going to give them another, you come out of the break. We've had a little getaway. Everybody has some space. Everyone goes to Cabo. Yeah. Reset. And then let's see what happens in the next five games. Those five games after is I think then he's got to make a decision. I'm just, I was just looking at the records. Oilers two, nine and one to start the year. The the Kings Kings right now, two, eight and six. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Now the Kings stretch here has been, has been a lot longer than 12 games. That's for sure. So, um, and I think Rob, like patience can be patience has proven to be the good thing. If you really believe in your team, when you hit the skids, you don't want to panic. Now, some would argue, Hey, this isn't a panic. As you just outlined, Frank, it's, it's been a bad month of January and even, you know, December wasn't where they want it to be. But I, I think the break sometimes it gives them everybody a chance to reset coaches included. And, uh, I think Todd McClellan has earned the right to have an opportunity to, to, to rebound this team. That's what I would say. I would agree. Let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk. Let's do it. And let's get into a new edition of fill in the blank. It's delivered by DoorDash where for a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. All you need to do is download the DoorDash app and use the promo code nation 25 you guys just talked a little bit about the red hot st louis blues i went over to botano i checked the latest odds they are plus 220 to make the playoffs that is implied odds of 31 percent so my question to you the blues have a blank percent chance of making the playoffs jason well i'm on team st louis so i'm just gonna go 100 they're making it, baby. Let's uh, let's ride oh the blues God. note. Uh, Frank's rolling his eyes. Hey, just remember, I was on this before a few other people. You know, Frank mocked it last week, and that's all right. We'll see. But no, obviously, 100 is probably a little extreme. There's no guarantee. But I'm going to say, like, 81. 81. Damn. Frank? 52? Hey, it's a, hey, every week. Let's just ask him every week because it'll be the percentage will keep rising. But just tell, like, tell me who I, I still, they're not, I, they're not going to add. They're likely to subtract. They might just anything. stand pat. Okay. So then I, your UFAs can walk. Yeah, they can beat St. Louis. I think they can beat Seattle. I think they beat Nashville. Nashville yeah, might be the that's team. What I'm saying it's like a pillow fight to get the eighth <laughs> spot. Hey. And it's a straight up waste of eight days because any one of those teams is going to get rocked in the first round by Colorado or Vancouver. 
absolutely smoked. Yeah, probably. <laughs> now, just remember, Frank, the only UFAs they're letting walk would be Casperi Kapanen, Marco Scandella, and Sammy Blaze. Like, no offense. They're not okay. having any I'm, UFAs I'm with you on that front, but I... If you have an opportunity to cash in with some value on some players for a team that acknowledges publicly this is not our year, I think that's what you should do rather than strive to be eighth. Well, I think they could move one of their defensemen and still make. That says a lot about the eighth seed. Fair enough. Uh, Greg, you and I were talking before the show. Connor McDavid, seven points in his last two games, and it still has him sitting, oh, a nice, cool 18 points behind Nikita Kucherov. He is currently tied with JT Miller for fourth in league scoring. So I'll ask you guys, Connor McDavid, looking like he's heating up a little bit, usually is good down the stretch as well. McDavid will finish blank in league scoring, Frank. Second, only to Nathan McKinnon. Oh, so you think he catches Kucherov, but not McKinnon? Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Greg? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say. Now, the one thing McDavid does like is the orders have a condensed schedule. He he says he plays better when he plays more often. So, but I, I looked out of it like everyone's like, yeah, he's great down the stretch. And he is. But he outscored McKinnon by four points last year down the stretch. Making up 17, 18 points. Now he does have games in hand. So, so that's going to help. Let's even give him two points a game. So that's, that's eight in those four games. So he's still 10 points back. Um, I'm going to say he finishes third and he's within six points of the leader. All right. And the last one I got for you guys here, this isn't an award that actually exists, but the idea of the NHL having a comeback player of the year at the halfway point the comeback player of the year is blank. And I know I'm putting you guys on the spot a little bit. So I threw together five players who I think might be candidates. Uh, Cam Talbot in LA having a hell of a bounce back. Brock Besser is a 30 goal scorer after only scoring 18 all of last year. Victor Hedman's already matched his point production. Matt Duchesne, after getting taken away by the Predators, cast away for nothing, goes to Dallas, his top 50 in league scoring. Jonathan Drouin is playing top six minutes in Colorado. So there's a couple of options. Feel free to go off the board. The comeback player of the year is blank, Jason. Yeah. You know, if the comeback is, as long as it's just, you know what? It used to be, hey, anybody who had an injury or health, okay, they're automatically. And so I'm just going to go off of just somebody who's refound their game, who who isn't coming off an injury. And, it, and it's hard to look past Brock Besser. Yeah, you, you know, you outlined the 30 goals. You kidding me? It's on pace for 55 goal season. It's ridiculous. Like, good for him. It's been a huge comeback story just based on ability. So I will go with best. Frank. I'm going to go off the board and I'm going to say the comeback player of the year is Sean Monahan. Ooh. I just, you know, there's a lot of good candidates. Talbot's a great one. Uh, his game has really kind of faltered of late and that hot start that he had has really masked what's been a tough, you know, sub 900 run for the last bit. But Sean Monahan has 11 points in his last nine games. He's on track for 61 points. He's got 35 and 49. Uh, for a guy that played 25 games last year, he's on pace for 59. It's a pretty good story. He's, I mean, consider two years ago, we were talking about, is this guy's career over? And now he's yeah. back to being close to a 60-point player, and it's going to be a nice deadline ad for someone. All right, there you go, gents. That is a wrap on this week's edition of Fill in the Blank, as always, delivered by DoorDash. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You like the mention of uh, Victor Hedman there by Ty. He's uh, he's yeah. quietly had a really really good season in uh, in Tampa Bay, and you know what? The, the kind of the ageless wonder. Uh, I know there's so much talk about Hughes and McCarr, and rightfully so. But I think Victor Hedman right now is if there was three finalists for the Norris, he'd be the third in my books. It's a good pick. Um, I don't know. I wish standardized tests. He gave us five answers. A, B, C, D, E. Like I would have been the asshole filling in the fill in the blank. I'm going to go off the board here. I'm sorry, sir. That's not acceptable in the SAT. (laughs) No, he did. He did give you the option though, to go off the board. Okay. Well, that was a, that was loud. Cam Talbot had a great start, but I think in his last 20 games, he's, he's 901 where Riddich in the same time is 920. So, um, you know, that's, that's probably a a part Frank, you said, you look at all the things in LA, then, Hey, when, when your backups beside that behind the same D is getting a 920 and your starters a 901, then you're needing more, you're going to need more saves from your starter. They also probably just played him too much. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, like why don't you play Riddish more? His numbers are they look but, good. but like how how do you run out of gas? Like you have an incredible start for the first 20 games, and oh shit, I don't know what the number is, but he probably played 17 of them. Like that's that's too much for a guy that age that hasn't played a full season in a while. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, Frank, uh, have fun. Uh, you're going to uh, Toronto. I'm going to uh, Arizona, to uh, Phoenix, and uh, looking forward to a unique uh, opportunity to uh, watching a Post Malone on oh, the, uh, the, 16th, the 16th hole of the uh, Waste Management. You know where the 16th hole is, right? Well, he's having a concert there the week before because I got everything oh. set up. So, uh, Are you staying we'll for Waste that. Management? No, no, that's that'd be that because waste because I'm there. This we're leaving this Thursday. The concerts this weekend, and then the waste management starts the following Thursday. So, no, I won't. Uh, I won't be in Arizona for ten days, unfortunately. That's on my bucket list. It's just a tough time of year with everything yes. going on with trade deadline. Forty days from today is March eighth, the trade deadline, and got something new up on DailyFaceOff.com every day, including trade targets. New top thirty came out on Friday with seven new names. So, who yeah, tease them? Who are some of the new names? Uh, well, Nick Dowd is one from the Washington Capitals, and people are like, "Who?" 
Uh, Nick Stroud's a good center iceman, man. Yeah, there's been a lot of interest in him. Um, Let's go through Marc-Andre Fleury is a new name as the Minnesota Wild season has faltered. Brett Kulak from the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, By the way, Anthony Mantha has... He's up to 14 goals on the season, which basically the best production of his career. He's on pace for 26 over 78 games for a guy that they couldn't give away. He's a guy that could be moved. Tyson Barry's trade request has been standing for a while. Um, We talked about the Penguins and Jake Gensel and what happens there. Something to watch. Um... Yeah, I kind of forget who's new and who isn't. They're all blurring together at this point. Vladimir Tarasenko is a new one. So hmm. it's uh there's a lot going on. And yeah, the Gensel watch is is one of the more intriguing ones. I think you look at a team that you know they made the Carlson move in the offseason, they obviously want to make the playoffs, but uh, they're trying to look down the future. But I think when you have Sidney Crosby, I don't know if you can just go and rebuild like no, now maybe he wants out of it. That would be a fascinating conversation in the summertime. I'll tell you that. Could you imagine if they say, Hey, Sid, we're going to rebuild? Do you, do you want to be part of it? Do you want to move on? If he's like, I want to move on, the sweepstakes for Sid would be massive. I don't think we're going to see one, but I was thinking about the timing because All Star is different with the NHL schedule because teams have the bye week. You're either on the bye before the break or after. Yeah. And I was thinking, is it a blessing or a curse to get traded during All-Star break? Like, in some ways, you're like, okay, it's not as much of a sprint. I can kind of get a couple days and get myself and my family to wherever I need to get to. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's like, but I'm sitting on a beach in Mexico. Why? Like, what? I just got traded. I have to fly home and pack my shit? <laughs> That's not ideal. Is it? I mean, it could be though, depending on how you look at it. You might be like, oh, well, I can at least, you know, get a couple days, get acquainted with, you know, the city, the facility. I don't have to rush to get there, join the team for practice. Everyone's coming back. All of a sudden you're the new guy. I don't know. I could see it both ways. Yeah. There's there's really only nine teams not on the bye week before, right? Uh, there's only so there's- six games total between Monday and Wednesday this week. Yeah. So you had like, you know, L.A., St. Louis, Columbus, Seattle, Nashville, Ottawa, uh, San Jose and Detroit, uh, Anaheim are the ones that uh, aren't officially on their bye week. Everybody else is uh, relaxing and then it will be a heavy schedule when we come out of the All-Star break. Quickly, Frank, who are you taking in the uh, All-Star skills competition? I'm going Nate Mack. No reason not to go with McKinnon. He's been that ridiculous all season long. He's a man on a mission. Give him the extra mill. Man, it's going to be fun to watch, especially they get to pick which uh, which events they want to do. You know, lots of guys are saying like, I know, you know Connor McDavid's like, I'm not doing the hardest shot. I'm not doing the one timer. Dry Saddle's like, I'm not doing fastest skater. Uh, he's not doing hardest shot, but he'll probably be in the one timer. So it's uh, it's going to be a unique event. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. I uh, as uh, as someone referred to it this week to me, they said it's 11 of the best players in the world and JT Miller. Oh, jeez. It's tough for JT. I'm going to go, I don't know, just the shooting ones. I think I might go Kucherov. I could see that. Yeah. Like, honestly, I like McDavid could easily win. I don't don't think there's a bad choice among the 11. No. If you said to me, JT Miller, though. I don't know, JT, eh? Yeah. You know he's going to be a hardo, though. You know he's going to go after it. Well, they all will. No, but him especially, like, he's going to want to feel like he's 
he belongs. Well, yeah. And I there was some I think there was some reporting out there last week that he said he's not doing fastest skater or hardest shot. So I guess yeah. play to your strengths. I don't know. Oh, 100 percent So I it's funny because a lot of the players said the one that's the most taxing is the heart is the fastest skater. So if that's the case, maybe they should do it last. Hmm. It'd be an awesome way to end it. Oh. Just a race yeah. to end it. Yeah, no, it'll be fun, Frank. We'll uh, enjoy that. We will uh, chat in a week. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, 
you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.